The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. Now your host, Steve Joll and the Art of War coaches. Okay, welcome back, folks, to part two of the Art of War podcast. In part one, we went through the list, the Orc list, the Goth list run by Mark Perry, uh, that he's going to be taking the LVO. Uh, we've got the special, I was going to say one time only, but occasional co-host, used to be the man who ran everything, probably still runs everything, but uh, only gets to co-host occasionally, Nick Nanavati. Welcome back. I feel like the, the, the introductions are getting less and less glamorous. We need to get these back up there. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Brett Farm is already your retirement. Oh, no. I used to to be the one encouraging John Damaris to big up you in the intros, and now I'm not even doing it. I know, Steve, how the mighty have fallen. (laughs) And Nick Nadavati, one of the all-time greats of 40K, the man who's basically won everything and knows everything there is to know in the current game, and the man who runs the Art of Warhouse and pioneered coaching in the game of 40K, just in case you weren't aware of who Mr. Nadavati is. And uh, right beside him is uh, the man of the hour, the man we're talking about, the list that we're talking about, Mark Perry, uh, ready, ready to go, packing, nearly finished packing and ready to travel to Vegas, baby. So uh, let's let's just get straight into this. We're going to be talking about the matchups. For people who are just joining us as subscribers, thank you for subscribing if you haven't already, please go and listen to part one of the show because that's where we run through Mark's entire list and uh, talk about the ins and outs and what's there and what's not there and the fact that this is just a giant ball of death that is coming at you as fast and hard as it possibly can. Uh, but there are a lot of little tricks to movement and charging and that sort of thing that we discussed as well. So, uh, Nick, why don't you get ready? Why don't you just go for it and take us through the matchups? Let's let's get started and see how Mark is going to cope with some of the armies that he'll be facing at LVO. Oh, yeah, I am an eager beaver. So, Mark, LVO's coming up. There's a lot of top contenders. I need to know how you're planning on toppling them all. I think number one on the list of people you got to beat, or list of things you got to have a plan for, is Jukari. They've been number one army in the ITC season for like the entire ITC season this past year. I think it comes in two different versions these days. One is the Thick City, that new build that's emerged with minus one damage and all the Coven stuff. And the other being a more classical build with like speed and raiders and and things like that. How do you handle each of those armies? So both of those armies have their strengths is coming from power from pain. Okay. That is their late game. They get more and more powerful. The mechanic for every turn passes, they get never buff. Okay. And those buffs are very important. So when going into those matchups, let's say into good stuff, let's just say Jakari good stuff. I look at that list and say, look at it to ask myself, how many points does he actually have in close combat? How much of it actually does damage and kills stuff? Okay. And if it's like, you know, 50%, you know, um, I know I have an advantage there in combat. In the grindy parts of just trading CC units, I have the advantage there. Jakari shooting's not too terribly great in the orcs. Um, definitely with all the Dark Lances going up in points, they don't have them splat around as much. It's not hard to get one tag down or two for like the Ravager, just going after it. I look at those Hellions and I look at the Incubi and ask, how can I pick up and trade a little bit up? Right? If I go first or second my first thing is how can i eliminate their thousand points of cc down to probably like 
750. How can I get a Vin lead in close combat? Then also I have almost a three to one lead in just raw CC. If I just pick up about, you know, 250 points of melee or more. Um, and then the rest of their stuff is playing mission. It's scoring. It's not doing damage back to me very much. And I can deny that because it's a lot of it's infantry based. And, you know, like, oh, we want to rods. I'm like, well, I'm just going to go tag you in close combat. You're not rodsing. Um, very much limit those rods pl placements, those banners, if they do take that. If they take, you know, uh, engage on all fronts, I limit that also because I'm trying to pick away those pieces, make it hard for them to fall back, or just pick them off. Make those progressive secondaries that the Jukari good stuff does. Now, fixed city, it all comes down to are they more rack based? Are they more uh, big, dumb robots uh, or fleshy robots? I'm not quite sure what they are. Uh, there's something not of this world. <laughs> um, I have a lot of random little benefits in set. One, the goth, the plus one strength on the charges, huge for the beast snacker boys going into racks. I'm um, strength six, then AP one exploding sixes, or boss close by, I'm hitting on twos. So I can really whittle out a lot of racks very quickly. Uh, there's a critical mass, but I'm not sure what it is for me, how many I can kill. I have to be very smart with that. I like if I play, it's like a Manny build that has an insane number. I need to make sure that my positioning is more uh, not center, it's a very far flank, and just kind of chew away. But if it's like a list that only has like 70, 80, I can generally most of the time go into that and just say, I'm going to start picking up your bodies as fast as possible. I've enforced the Kronos and the Talos that are supporting have way too many targets to deal with. They offset their early game so much. My characters then get waved in and uh, hog boys go in. You know, you have the more beast snagger boys and so forth. The scorches from the, the scorches coming from Meganops help a lot against their axe. Um, so I feel very confident though, because it's one of the lists that I built it to help fight. What about all the towels and grotesque, like a more classic build? So when there's two, when there's a lot, a lot of, uh, grotesque. I'm a little bit more worried on that one, but at the same time, like I just have to make sure I don't overextend and engage too many in close combat immediately. Uh, Talos, it's a matter of finding that weak spot and getting those up in damage, you know, making them not so much spread themselves out, but keeping them under control because like, that's where the beast snacker boys coming in. Uh, if they, if they can, if they overextend and as soon as the Talos lead the T seven aura, they go to C6. Beast Sanger boys are actually pretty good at just chewing through one themselves. So when I put it again, I'm ganging up on them with like three to two units. I can get leads up in that way. Um, And I'm trying to slow down their tempo for mission. Because that list really, how it functions is it sits in the middle and gets primary points. And I'm trying to make sure that that's not happening for that list. Because that list requires that positioning and I'm offsetting it. That's that's the key, the key to that part. So a lot of times I feel like your orc army is a little vulnerable to being move blocked because it's just a bunch of non-fly vehicles and, and infantry and things like that. And Dark Eldar is probably the best army when it comes to move blocking you or one of the best armies. If they start doing that tactic to kind of stall you out and keep you in your deployment zone using things like Reavers or Hellions or Raiders or anything fast like that that's expendable just to buy themselves time to score points and keep you busy... Is that an effective tactic against you? Uh, it can be, but you have to do it in so many positions because I'm setting up multiple avenues and driveways for me to come towards you. Blocking out every single one is very awkward to do. Uh, and trying to keep that control, trying to, you know, if he does that, he's only going to be able to do it for a turn or two. And then he's just like, okay, I'm waiting for the late game. Well, I've probably been a little out of position myself too. And like those can body block the kill rigs, the hog boys, so forth. But when you have, you know, 
Boys, I can still get out and advance and charge going for buildings. Fully trapping my army in, unless it's Tyranids with most of her list is... I haven't seen it happen. I've seen a couple times where I like think about with the Trakari, we can body block it, but it's just... It's not crazy great because also you're screening me. But then that's also... I'm just going to charge you, kill you, and then still go six inches towards you. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to slightly creep upon you. And I guess a big problem for those like more squishy Drakari builds is that every time you interrupt is just so painful because they can't take it. They can't handle it. Nope. Yeah. They just they they don't have as much CC. They can only ever engage like one key unit at a time. If they engage multiple key CC units, I'm gonna interrupt on one. And then you'll either win the rest of it. And I'll just walk them and say, You get one interrupt, I'm gonna fight everything else. Well, it's funny you bring up Tyranids as an army that can totally move block you in. I know that's some experience you have fighting John Lennon's list. I want to talk about Tyranids. It's kind of similar to Jukari in that there's two different Tyranid builds that I view as successful now. One, like the mixed forces list that's like very balanced with shooty devourer guards and you <laughs> and all kinds of tactics like that. The other being Crusher Stampede, just running. How do you fight each of those? So for the control build, mission really kind of matters because I'll take how, you know, how, can, what angles can you come at your opponent? Um, I have a good advantage when I'm going against them on Dawn of War. Onto the forces list, right? Because the Gaunts have a harder time screening me out. Versus, like, if it's a hammered naval one, they can just chunk up that entire half of that board if they go first and just really offset the other boat. For example, is that over at the GW event at New Orleans. Or not GW one, uh, Brownland one. And the help fix some of that things add up. I end up, was considering adding Storm Boys to my army. Very much into it. But then they just did not do anything really to Crusher Stampede and Gustos. And really didn't help out against, like, really, really fix it. Uh, we're talking all the, you know, um, mech build, not the not the rack build. And um, I just felt like I didn't want that one. So we added boss Zagstruck. Zagstruck is a flying war boss. So when he gets out of a truck and auto advances sixes, he goes 21 inches will fly. Which means wow. that they constantly have to be on guard to make sure that I can't just tag important things, tag gaunts, add awkward things. Just he's T6, so Gaunts are running on sixes. I'm getting five final pains. Mm-hmm. I'm getting my four bomber save. And uh he can cause there and Vin. You know, if you ever open up a hole for him to hit Hive Guard. So having that extra element where I can get jump over those front lines uh helps a lot there if I go second. Um and also if I just go first, the blips are awkward where I can't go straight into them. But if I can move up and get a high enough position on their doorstep and say, okay, let's go. Hiveguard can do a decent amount of damage in one turn, but it's not crippling me. It's about the two or three turns that I'm just like dead. Hiveguard. So I really have a window there where I can take Hiveguard shooting for one turn and then like maybe a second turn. But I need to make sure that I'm in position where I can start threatening the Hiveguard, threatening their primary and so forth. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I get stuck with if they just set up a great wall of guns and stall you out where your whole army is stuck behind like 30 guns pushing you back. Yep. And I've got shooting from across the table while that's happening. Yep. So that's where I'm kind of taking like the secondaries where it's like Dawn of War. It's hard, hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Stringing yourself out is just really with that 30 man squad is super awkward because like it's going to be hard to hold out. Yeah. Um, the corner ones help out a little bit because like how the ejectors are placed. Mm-hmm. Uh, retrieval is the worst case scenario. Yeah. Uh, battle lines. I don't mind battle lines just because it simplifies it down to two ejectors. I could just camp on those two ejectives. All the um, missions are about to change anyway. Yeah. So. But for LVO talk. Right, right. Um, But that list is probably my hardest game right off the bat. Uh, that's that's a game. 
That's a real game, and it comes down to lots of technical stuff and trying to push those advantages. Um, that's actually one of the secondaries where you saw on the stream where I took uh, the biggest and the best. The secondary. It's the same one that Space Wolves have, actually, Steve, where it's like if the Warlord kills five models, a monster right. or a vehicle or a character, you get three points for each one and max five for a turn. And every time I'm like, well, there's gods coming at me. The Warlord is going to eat five gods. <laughs> <laughs> right and farm yeah, three yeah, points yeah. take no prisoner i'm like i'm gonna slowly get for this wall of gods <laughs> and get points while i'm at it it's a very interesting choice that didn't score you too well or did it oh uh, no it got me nine points really that's not bad yeah because what do you get besides killing the gods what'd you kill just he killed gods every single turn oh it's like that okay yeah okay. he got three points every single turn killing some gods yep. nice it's um, funny hearing you talk about both both of these the the two the Drukari and the uh, Nids, you know, all the different builds of the various things. It's interesting because you're actually talking about not the big ball of death that we discussed. You're not flying at them necessarily. You're talking about taking away their ability to score points more than anything else, camping on objectives and and taking you know kind of denying them as much as anything else. Is that kind of the the way you've got to play armies that are that are on paper? going to be uh, a real tough game or maybe you know you could even say more powerful than the orc army you've got you just got to deny them and kind of um you know play that play that technical game yeah i'm looking at what their what their win condition is which is board control and getting points and i'm going to say i'm going to deny that i want to take you're taking away my win condition i'm going to take away yours and i'm going to camp in the middle and try to win out slowly the grind fest uh and if, if the wall ever can i just knock it down that's all great you know, but that sometimes doesn't happen. So what about Crusher Stampede, that new tuna build? So Crusher Stampede's interesting because it's ultra violent. <laughs> um, it is, we are swinging each other a lot. I'm beast snagger, so I get, all, my, most of my army gets plus one hit against vehicles and monsters. And shooting and combat. Hilariously, which counts for the kill rigs and so forth. Um, I really wish in retrospect I almost brought the super rut herder. Uh, from the Beast Nagas, uh, Warts Naga, for the fight last for six inches for monsters. Uh, didn't make the cut because I was like, Custodes, I don't know how many Crusher Stampedes there are. Uh, there's a lot of them, so I made a mistake there. Um, but for that one, it's really making sure that my terrain is placed well. My terrain is placed where, where they can't end models and places and certain avenues. Kind of doing a reverse what most people do to me. And making it where his fights, controlling where he can fight at. With those big bases are little chunk points. Because like the Heritals and so forth, they got huge bases. Uh, Demon Karens, they're on a fire base, but you can still kind of choke that out where you can make them fight where you want them to fight. Um, and then they don't have as many screens to protect the Hive Guard. So like their backfield is subjective to like possibly truck boys just driving up turn one and getting close to them. Because um, they don't have the Genie Stiller aspect for the blimps. They don't have the um, Gaunts to really great wall me out. Uh, so I can make holes. So you mentioned player place terrain, which is really specific to frontline and air format. Uh, the couple other tournaments use it, but um, basically use that to create choke points by placing buildings next to each other and, and as yep. close as they can be. So like only one monster can fit through at a time. Yep. If you're playing in a format like WTC or Games Workshop, where those terrain is where it is, how would you try to formulate a plan? Uh, in the Crusher Stampede, the trucks are really, really good on the GW terrain because they can just play a little bit farther back be behind the room and I know that they can get shot turn one because the avenues for shooting is pretty clear because of how the GW formatting is. Um because they can actually just drive up all the way up in the ruin and almost get like they're only two inches off from where they could have probably been anyway. 
and a great staging point. Um, and that one I play very symmetrical some most of the time, uh, where I just kind of like deploy across the line, try to look at like where my opponent's weakness at, and then try to exploit that one. Make sure that everyone feels threatened. Wait for them to react. Um, and and to that, it's more or less like letting if they come towards me. Awesome. Uh, I don't want them to just dominate the center too hard. I want them to try to. I want to try to bait them to the flanks. Uh, because then the flanks they're going to be out. You know, if I win one flank, I can try to dominate the other one. Right. They are fast on the initiation. They are not fast on the reaction with those demon Karens. They're going to be out of hive. You know, the hot, the uh, swarm lord can only be on one place. Mm-hmm. So if I can control where the swarm lord can torpedo out. Uh, let me ask you this. I should have asked this in part one, but I guess people who subscribe can get the answer now, which is good. Would your list change any if player place terrain wasn't a thing? If you're going to a different tournament where terrain is just where it is, as Nick put it, does that change the way you're going to put your list together, or are you sticking with what you got? Um, probably so. The commandos originally were meant for GW uh, terrain because they on the Dawn of War setups and a lot of the the Overhammer and Anvil one. There's two ruins in the No Man Zone, right? And two eight man commandos generally go there. That was their whole purpose originally on GW terrain was just to sit on those moored ones. They got their free up save. They're looking at you, say, "Okay, we're here. What you going to do about us? We're either coming for you." go first if we go second we just stand here and say shoot me um you can't let me just be stuck in this in transposition and kind of a forward pawn you know they charge me okay well that gives me someone to springboard off of uh and take away another cc unit because if you're killing commandos in combat you you have decent stats and i'm totally okay with just killing you vin (laughs) like i want to do this simplify the board state vin take away your combat um I think that's mostly for like player place. That's really like the biggest difference of like how I change up my list. The GW terrain uh, allows the trucks to have some more interesting predictability. Um, but I haven't thought about it too much recently in the current meta because I don't have any GW events coming up. I want to bring it back to Crusher Stampede for a second. A lot of different Crusher Stampede builds have a different ratio of certain monsters. Some might have two Demacarons, some might have three, some might have Scythe Terror Duels, Barbed Terror Duels, a Herodin, whatever. How do you uh, identify like which ones to prioritize from target priority aspect? And then if you try to tackle more than one in a given turn, then you have to deal with like interrupts and fight on deaths and all the ways Tyrants can just hit you more than over and over. How do you manage all that? So I'm really, in my game perspective, I'm actually not engaging multiple at one time. Because they can fight on death, they can do all these things. All I'm looking at is killing one monster, one really big, like demon carrion, probably monster a turn. Um, and I'm actually looking at going after those little tiny warriors uh, squads. I'm looking at going after all their other small shaft that they barely have any of to limit their ability to play the mission. Because they're okay, they will eventually just kill me. That's fine. But if I take away their ability to play the game, they're going to have a harder time doing that. Why I'm as they're killing me, I'm still scoring points. Um, and that's one of the things is going into it. As soon as I take away those tyrannid warriors, they have a harder time screening the hive guard out throughout the game. So Zagstruck can sneak up there and turn two and still have plenty of screens and just jump over into the tower guard. Cause he can do charge five, you know, or free tyrannid warriors, kill them and just go, oh, hi, hive guard touch. Um, and it's a lot harder for them to do that. And if they hate all the Tyranid Warriors back there and monsters hiding, protecting the Hive Guard, they're not out there on the board control. They're not playing the mission. 
They're playing, you know, long games, like eventually want to table you, but they're not getting points because they're holding too much back, trying to do sustainability, which we know on my list can be very dangerous. And it sometimes can be a trap if you don't do it properly. Um, a lot of misplays there are possible. And I will prey on every single one that they will make. <laughs> He's stalling it behind enemy lines uh, in a, in a, against a, something like a Crusher Stampede, which is, you know, big and killy and going to be right there waiting for you when you get there. Um, it matters which mission it is, but if like maybe maybe it takes stranglehold if it's like vital intelligence or someone with a lot of objectives. Uh, definitely with sticky objectives because that can kind of control where they can go. So like them going in, they will have a hard time taking sticky objectives off. Um, By sticky objectives, Mark is referring to the objectives you can hold even if you leave. Um, but if you held them at the start of your campaign, so vital intelligence and direct assault those missions. So. Those type of elements help out maybe stranglehold because my whole game plan is still just to play primary at that point. You know, lock them out of their primary, maybe some secondaries and so forth. And behind me lines probably would still be more often than it took because if they give me an opportunity to take out those hive guard, it happens. You know, I'm going in there with units. Uh, I'm also body blocking them too. If I get the first turn of movement, go up there, tag a bunch of stuff. Oh, they can't, like, they're going to be body, I'm going to try to trap them into their own deployment zone, and again, limit more of their movement. Um, it's really a game-to-game basis of base each on what my opponent's secondaries is, what they're, I'm trying to identify in the Crusher Stampede, what is that player's specific plan, and try to counter that. It's not just my list functioning, at that point I am looking at, hey, this is a game between me and you, it's not list versus list. I'm going to look at your game plan, try to read as best as scenario, but I can limit what you can do there, maximize what points I can get. It is not just my normal herb derp strategy. So it sounds like in pretty much all these matches, you're not only trying to control the table yourself and win the primary that way and, and pace your opponent on, on the scoreboard, but you're also gunning for their ability to score points by yes. focusing on their mission playing elements, yep. whatever they bring. What about an army like Custodes where everything is just tough and obsec? Um, Custodes is a very interesting matchup because in practice we've learned that if you make one or two bad placements with custodies they fall apart pretty fastly to me they're playing a very solid game and so forth and just making sure everything's in there and playing trying to make sure that they are trying to figure out the right turn to put on the gas into them i don't think turn two is the right turn or turn one is actually the correct turn that they deploy properly it's actually about turn three and i'm still figuring that process out i'm you know we just did practice trying to evolve that game plan even as we speak what does um, that look like like why why is it turn three so turn three is i can still turn spend like two turns to just deny them stuff right but we've done figured out and the damage output that they can break me in a turn and a half or even a turn okay so i want to stall out their ability to break me as long as possible right let's say that we me and him go you know turn one he deployed super defensive made that castle but I'm just not going into. And I'm like, I'm not going into that. Uh, I've done yeah, practice so enough. Now that I see that that does not work. Charging the custodies can be suicidal. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's about getting that right position. So I'll sit there and I'll take my secondaries and say, okay, I'm going to sit here and do nothing and try to win the game. So I'll move, set my train up where I can try to be more defensive about it. Bam. There. Then I will try to bait him to come out as soon as possible. Or not as soon as possible. Probably as late as possible, I think, for the strategy. Because, like, turn three, uh, turn four is when I'm going to put on the gas, depending on who goes first. Um, because I get one 
like one to two turns of really good denial on them. And if we just both go even on the first two to three turns of the game, even that last last stage of the game, I just bum rush hard and deny him as much as possible. I deny while gaining. So those are my, I see that is my win condition in that position. So basically, because they can kill you a lot faster than you can kill them, let them kill you towards the end of the game after the points have been evened out, yeah. and then while you're dying, you're doing it on their objectives. So you're I'm denying them, and why gaining my points? And in the early game, we just even up. Can I ask, I mean, a lot of people won't have seen the new Custodes book and won't be aware of how Custodes plays. If Previously, in the old uh, Custodes book, the way to beat them if you've got a faster army is just to stay the hell away from them and go around picking up points and kind of, they're, they're slow moving, right? You kind of put Custodes in the same category as like, uh, I don't know, Death Guard or Thousand Sons or something like that, which is big and hard to kill, but not real fast. So you, you get around them that way. Has that changed dramatically with the new book? A little bit, because now they're bringing bikes, they're bringing bike captains again. And, you know, they have a random Caladius in there for utility. They're actually very mobile again. Um, they're not just Telemans just kind of going from there and just walking six inches army-wise. They're pretty fast. So I have to make sure that, uh, that their mobility is not going to outposition me at one point too bad if they can just do too much crippling damage. We've seen in cases where they did were... They came at me from multiple different angles, and they were out of position, and we saw we saw it I lost. And but actually, really, I almost tabled him. Retaliation, because spread too thin. Vin and the other ones are like, okay, we cannot actually spread out and take advantage of our mobility, because you're just going to still touch us and do damage, and we're just out of position from supporting each other. So at that point, they're just a, very, they're a little death ball that can move pretty quickly on a reaction. They can go left, right, not a problem. With those charges, with those fallbacks, even if it's random things get tagged, uh, they're not as slow as anymore because bikes in the late game can go through and take away. And little guys that are hiding, like one or two man boys left, um, and get those objectives back and get that recovery because the bikes are so quick. So it sounds like you're trying to force them to spread out and split them into much smaller, <laughs> like little chunks and deal with those small chunks which are far away from the death ball. Yeah, because their death ball is actually tougher and more killing than mine. <laughs> but I can handle them when they're spread out because then the interruptions and the positioning. So this is a game where you'd want to play like a Dawn of War where the objectives are spread and it's easy to spread them out. As opposed yeah. To like scouring. Where you're just yeah, we figured out like on like, even the scouring is not bad because if I can place the terrain out, like I can just make a really good defensive castle and there's free. Um, and they're not, the objectives are not in their deployment zone. I can do a more denial game in that one, but like battle lines, I actually like first that we were like John and Jack were like, I think this is actually bad for us. I'm like, I actually think it's like the best case scenario for you because you know where I am and there's only two objectives you need to go take me off of in the late game yeah. um, and jump back into. So you have a very quick recovery time on battle lines like against me or something like that, um, which in the past probably wasn't always the case. But, you know, uh, that speed of the bikes is good. That's really interesting. For folks so, who are, sorry, for folks who are unaware, John Lennon and Jack uh, Harpster are both taking Custodes to LVO, and that's what uh, Mark is referring to, practice games with those two guys. Yep. Sorry, Nick, go ahead. No, I was going to top off that thought. If you wanted to catch that practice game, uh, you can do so in the war room where we, they literally played and gave away all the top secrets going into LVO. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's great for the opponents that are going to be playing you guys when you get there. So I, I've jumped the gun a bit moving on to Imperium so quickly. Gene Stealer Cole is another brand new codex fresh off the boat. 
I know you don't have too much experience into them, but how do you expect your orcs will play into them going into LVO? That one is an actual game where I make a my really big screen death ball, and I say, come on in towards me. I'm just going to say your T3 bodies, your T4 bodies, and I'm going to try to whittle you out. I can't push into you because blips do not allow that turn one for truck boys. I got to stay away from the blips, so I just need to wait um, until they have to come out, and then I kind of react from there, right? I also, you know, see what their secondaries are and things of that nature. I'm really just waiting until they are on the board. If I don't catch myself out of position and keep my screens projected, we make it where anywhere they come at me, the rest of the army can kind of react from there. From what I've seen, they seem to be like a very point steely kind of army with a lot of counterpunch if you try to do something yeah. about it. So if you sit there in your own castle, and just try to mind your own business while they crash into your lines, almost like what the custodies do to you. Um, what if they just stay away and figure out ways to score their points with sneaky GSC nonsense? Um, then I just make sure that they're having a hard time getting on objectives, and I'm just playing the primary game by getting good secondaries from, let's say, maybe maybe I take rods in that point, because then they're forced to screen me, which is what I want them to do, maybe, right? But like, the screen out rods, maybe... I take, oh, I'm going to take second ritual. Stop him good? Uh, probably not. Um, They can hide away way too fast. And they do have some CC, so no prisoners possible. Um, And mission secondary ones. Um, I think I end up just taking a lot more board control ones, but just re regardless of what you have. And if you throw models at me, then if you're trying to deny me, my rods or banners possibly are um, strangleholds engaged. Then I just get no prisoner points to make up for it and play that primary game. Uh, double down on that. I'm not going to win by a lot. I'm going to make sure that I win by just I'm going for a max out score safely. Yeah, I think that's been like the common theme through your list. Of the whole thing is you're not trying to win by a lot. You're trying to win consistently by a few points. Yep. That's pretty cool. So let's bring it back to the Imperium. We're going all over the place. But that's what I'm here for. You got to keep it interesting. Um, it wouldn't be a podcast. Talking about Warhammer 40k, if we didn't talk about Space Marines. I'm not going to make you go through every chapter, because there's like 4,000. But let's simplify it down to Combat Marines and Shooty Marines. How do you handle each of those? So, Shooty Marines have a problem playing the mission against me, because they have to spread themselves out, and then I pick them apart. Mega Knobs, Truck Bobs, or, or Truck Boys are awesome at picking Marines away. Scorchers are actually pretty decent at catching Marine squads that are out of position. Um, And it's... The, I'm trying to make it where, where in the shooting marine matchups, I'm just, I'm again playing that primary game. If you kill me all the way and you table me, that's fine. But I know I'm pretty good at just doing damage to you, but you're not getting away with not hurting me or not getting away without getting hurt at all. And I'm just playing that primary game. The melee marines are one of those ones where I do not play this game. Instead, I bum rush them as hard as physically possible because one, my combat has a lot more of it, and it's more efficient. Okay, um, across the board, I don't have the durability, but it doesn't matter if you don't make it to assault doctrine, and your units are not hitting hard enough to bring up that damage output. When I consider that my list has eighteen, sixty points of muscle and melee, yours probably has like fifteen, or uh, maybe fourteen. You know, whatever units you have, and so forth. Like, you know, encouragers, all the basic marine squads are okay, but they're not really great at killing orcs. Oh, uh, that T5 actually comes in pretty clutch there. Um, yeah, they're defensible and they're prone to interrupts. 
I, I imagine the fact that you bring the pressure turn one onto a lot of these Marine armies. They're the kind of army that likes to set itself up in the yeah. board, get, yeah. take a turn to position itself, and then wait it out for Assault Doctrine if it's those melee Marines, or, or get line of sight angles and then start blasting for the shooting ones. But you don't give it that turn time, which is really tough for so have you had struggled with any marine armies with this orc army, or is it just? I like- haven't struggled with marines with orcs since like the first week, and then I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm going to say and look at you. I'm like, I my army is made out of high strength and high damage and good AP. You're gonna die fast. Yeah. Oh, it, it that makes is... me sad that every guest we've had says I don't struggle with marines. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really sad how they have fallen off. Like I, they, they've been roller coaster like through this edition. They, they started they really out strong. Have. Like, maybe not age well. Yeah. Oh, probably the hardest Marine matchups that I've had is against Jaime Paris. And also those have all been tablings on him. I've tabled him. And he puts me in this hard position. I'm just like, okay, okay. And stat check. Okay. I'm, I'm game scared. Cool. <laughs> what about, um, I'm just theorizing here. Something like a Dark Angel Terminator list, with like just Storm Thunder Hammer Storm Shield Terminators up. But eventually, like, you can't kill that. Not all of it. No, but I can kill one bad positioned out of them unit and also just place banners. Go, like, stranglehold. If they just walk towards you, eventually they'll get there. Eventually they'll get there, <laughs> but they're going to lose points. And also I can just body block them a little bit, too. That's true. That's true. That's um, stalling them. The best example of, body, of being, like, when they overextend and I can deal with them that my entire army is actually against John against the, on the GW stream at New Orleans with the speed walk list. Right. I can just kill 10 or- Terminators that are out of position. Right. 10 or Terminators. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, there's another match, which I know you were struggling with a while. I actually got the better of you a couple times. Um, but now it seems like you've solved it. Um, and I'm curious to see how. Grey Knights. So, Grey Knights is actually what this list is meant to look at and say, I'm going to table you in two turns and you're not going to play the game. And that has been every single game. For a six game straight, uh, because the freebooters, when I was playing freebooters, that was the only loss I was getting with freebooters. And it was sometimes coin flips, sometimes it was just like, you know, like they just made four ups, and I'm like, oh no. Um, and, you know, if I call opposition, like it was just, it came down to more. I didn't like that. I did not want that to be a game. I wanted that to be a steamroll on my side. Um, so that's what the Gothos was built in that hyper pressure. The Mega Knobs are good at picking up interceptors. Uh, we're decent at picking up Dread Knights when we're forcing out that targets. Every single game, other than your game, but me and you played at some point, uh, Nick. Um, the game has been over at turn two or turn 2.5. I made it to five. Um, on the Dawn of War games, the three Dawn of Wars that I've played against it on, um, all the Dread Knights, like, Everything was dead at turn two and three. Uh, one case was turn, like, one case where me and Jack just the real practice game real quick and just threw every single ball in there. You actually deployed the army, tagged Jack, and Jack's like, what? And fixes up using. He's like, what's going on here? And he had two models going into his turn two left, and that was two Dread Knights. Yeah. Uh, I. It's the Hog Boys, it's the Beast Knight. I'm just, that, li- that, you, that army has so much damage output and does everything in every phase. But I'm like, I can't let you just keep winning the game across the game. I want to make the game two turns 
And I'm going to try to win those two turns. It's honestly, it's like the war bosses. They just get there and each one just kills a dreadnought, it feels like. Yep. And I can't and stop squads. the pog boys and the kill rigs and the boys that fall out of the kill and rigs the kill, yep. and the trucks and the magnops and the war bosses. There's yep. just not enough bullets in the army. Yep. And I guess that's the general theme to you. That, that was that was the whole that was the whole purpose is like, where what is my plan to kill them? That's it. That's 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 the bum rush match. Um, the scary part, though, is it looks like I'm losing sometimes for like the first two turns. Evan, I'm like, I'm like, I'm about to get tabled. And then I realize I'm like, wait, they're tabled too. Oh, every okay. time I watch you play, it looks like you're losing. Every time I, from deployment through about turn three, it looks like you are getting annihilated. And I, it's very hard for me to watch as your friend. And it, I don't, I don't think I could ever <laughs> play this army. So uh, how do you live with that? How do you play this army? So uh, it is nerve wracking. So the thing is, I know the strategy. I know how it works. I can look at the points and say, hey, look, this is. Disconnect yourself. Do not get nerved, racked, overwhelmed by the casualty rate on your side. Um, and really, just stick to the game plan. Just have faith. That is the best way. Just believe. Believe in the green tide that believes in you. <laughs> just roll sixes. And, and um, it, it, it's interesting because the... Uh, you're getting overwhelmed by the casualty rate when you play an army that is that is a, a close combat army. You know your your whole point is you got to get across the table and charge things before they can kill you. But they are going to kill you, and it is hard when you when you've got that situation. It's just like you're pulling units off the table and just hoping like hell you can do all of the damage when you get there. Uh, so if you've got that mindset where you can cope with it, then that's a that's a big advantage. It's having that confidence and that faith. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also yeah. a matter of time and reps. Like, you didn't just come up with this no. movie over, over no. the day. You, like, developed it. Yep. This was this was originally developed for the Grey Knights and um, Fix City World. We are leaving that world, and which just means I'm working on new ideas are for the future, guys. Get so... Ready. Yeah, I mean, let's let's uh, let's talk about that really quick. Okay. I want to talk about the future since we're at a point where 40k is about to change a lot. With chapter two yep. just being announced, and while LVO is a, is upon us, I want to look towards past that as well for all the viewers out there. So, how do you think you're going to evolve this list? Keep the kill rigs, even though they're going up in cost. Um, anything else? What are you thinking? So the kill rigs are back and forth. I'm going to keep them and goffs. I am tempted to drop them for the sole purpose of the fact that I can get more megadobs and more truck. Uh, and still have lots of more points for commandos, storm boys. I want to get some more things because the mission's going to have that much more emphasis on obsec, uh, and just infantry and doing some more actions. So I want to possibly add in some more of that because other control lists are going to be figuring it out, and I want to have a little bit more disruption. Kill rigs aren't crazy disruption, uh, and they can't hide as much. So I want that, and I also want to build a list to have a little bit of an element to where I can do uh, the secondary green tide where in those matchups where I want to sit there and do nothing because I'm waiting for the right time to go at you instead of taking engage or stranglehold I can just have two units of like 11 storm boys sitting in a table quarter and getting me three points a turn uh, when my opponent's like I can't run at you I'm not fast enough nor if I do run at you I'm dead doesn't that go against the whole plan of everything it's, always runs forward sometimes it's flex sometimes like in the customs customs are gonna have a harder time with that right uh, and it's tools, it's adding a little bit of flexibility to it because I've mastered the playstyle out so much where I can divert and change this, the game plan a little bit because I know the game plan from start one to end step. I know what the plan is. I can change it a little bit because I know the mistakes. I have the experience. 
that's difference of you know mastery. Right. Um. Honestly, Steve, those are the well, Mark. Let me ask you. You're going to LVO. You're obviously preparing for all these lists. Lists just went live earlier today. What are you afraid of of playing against, and what are you troubleshooting for? Uh, somehow John Lennon brings Tyranids and plays against them. That's my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're safe from that one. I, I don't know. I don't believe. <laughs> um, my worst fear is never no one else in the room. Um, it is me beating myself because I did something out of muscle memory, and that was a mistake. Right? I got greedy. Keep it under control. Keep my bloodlust under control. Um, and also try to learn some of these European names. Um, and figure out their list and study them because they know a whole lot more about me than I know about them, and that terrifies me. Um, I, I do. I fully respect them, and I want to know what they're playing. Therefore, I can study it because they're the biggest unknown. Fr- but I, I don't not know. I don't know the French names, guys. If you're French, please let me know the French etc. Guys, and their na- their list. I will be so happy. Um, but I know they're just bring red wine and cheese, and they'll be distracted for a little while, and you'll be fine. <laughs> Maybe maybe my, my maybe my no shoe habit will just get them. Too unclean. I get to say what I like about French people because my wife is French, which means my kids are half French, so I can just you know whatever. See, I'm from Louisiana, um, and like coming from the Cajun culture, we look at the French yeah. and we're like, yeah, we come from you. But at the same time, we're like, we're really not you. <laughs> just dirt. <laughs> yeah. It's very very like Cajun is very very dirty French. I understand half of it, and the other half I'm just like, nope. <laughs> Seems yeah. to be proud. So, Steve, is there so, any other questions you want to ask Mark while we have them? Well, one thing, because you brought it up a couple of times, uh, just for those of us who uh, don't play as often as you guys do, when you talk about the the reps you've got in, how many games do you think you would have played with this list? Um, This list is currently... One, two, three, four. It's currently uh, 32 and 7. How did you just count that? <laughs> I've been keeping track weekly ever since this list game. Let's call it. Wait, it's counting tournaments and, and practice. No, it's eight. Sorry, thirty-two and eight. So eighty percent win rate, thirty-two yeah. and eight. That's I think my good. overall arc work win rate is like eighty-seven. So that's forty games with this list, and that's not even counting the other iterations, kind of leading up to it. That's counting all the iterations from like oh, December okay. onwards. So God, 40, if I just with this one iteration, I couldn't. I I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> I would need my little brother, and we're like, we're gonna play for twenty four hours. Yeah. <laughs> no, man, that's it. That's uh, that's amazing. Look, uh, best of luck at LVO. It's a massive weekend, and uh, those of us around the rest of the world who aren't going to be in Vegas can keep up with uh, things on the Art of War Forty K Facebook page. I know Nick's great at keeping us up to date, and the other the other guys will be uh, letting us know what's going on. Uh, and folks can also keep an eye on BCP, of course, and just kind of see how the guys are going or what the results are. On the way through the the event, good luck to you and the the rest of the team. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Really appreciate it. I know both of you guys still have to pack and get ready and leave early in the morning. And, uh, you know, we appreciate your time at this stage. By the time this goes out, LVO will be basically upon us. So we look forward to seeing how the Orcs go, man. Good luck. Thank you. Remember, kids, be brutal but cunning. (laughs) Very nice. Nick, thanks, mate. Appreciate you stepping in for John because he was uh, desperately trying to get his army painted and do practice into uh, Mark and other armies before he left as well. So good luck to you for the weekend, and we'll catch you on whatever podcast you turn up on next time uh, with the Art of War team. Folks, don't forget, go to theartofwar40k.com. All of the resources you need to get better at this game are there, from coaching at the top all the way down through 
the War Room Analyst Building and, uh, you know, all of the podcasts that we have available, and there are plenty of them, uh, including, uh, you know, the Art of War Down Under with our Australian friend Adam, the Art of War Unbroken and featuring usually Brad Chester unless he's hospitalised, and uh, Blake Law, who is the Tony Romo of 40K. Uh, folks, enjoy the Elvio weekend. We'll catch you next time. In the meantime... He's Mark Perry, he's Nick Nanavati, I'm Steve Joel, and this is The Art of War. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.